Welcome, friend. Follow me. We're going somewhere dark, somewhere dangerous. Most people would never dare enter the place we are going. There's no telling what horrors we'll find, what terrors we'll uncover. Don't say I didn't warn you. We might discover terrible monsters lurking there. Be careful, they could follow you out. Or maybe they're already inside you. Are you afraid? Good. Now you are ready to enter the Warning Woods. I got caught with a joint behind my parents' church when I was 15. The guy who caught me was an off-duty, out-of-shape cop who came outside to smoke a cigarette, ironically. I decided not to stick around, so he called his on-duty buddies. Soon I was climbing over fences and scrambling through backyards to get away from the bored Sunday morning shift. The guy who called me in knew me and knew my parents. When I doubled back to the church after I thought the pursuit had been called off, a sergeant was waiting for me with my dad. My mom was hiding in the bathroom, bawling her eyes out. I was told the pot wouldn't have been a big deal on its own, but that running had landed me in a real mess. I'm not sure I believe the first part, but I definitely landed in a real, serious mess. The judge ordered me to complete an addiction treatment program at the Ellison Youth Treatment Center. I was given the afternoon to pack a few belongings. I had to leave my phone, I couldn't bring any money, and sharp objects were strictly forbidden, including earrings. I wasn't even allowed to bring a belt. I had been leaning out through a growth spurt, so the waists on all of my pants were too big. Nothing could be done about that, though. I would just have to make do. A corrections officer delivered me to the doorstep at the Ellison Youth Treatment Center just before dark. I'm glad we didn't get there any later because I might have fought going inside the creepy old house in the dark. It looked desolate enough in the pinkish twilight. It was a white 19th century two-story house with a rust-colored roof and matching shutters. As the officer and I walked up three crooked steps, metallic noises clanked behind the painted steel door. The door swung inward from its decorative arched frameway, and I got my first look at the disheveled, quote-unquote, counselor who would facilitate my recovery. The man looked like he had spent some time learning the dangers of drugs firsthand. Maybe that was by design. You don't want to end up like me, do you, kids? He had salt and pepper hair that wasn't quite long, but definitely needed a trim. His gray stubble appeared to be three or four days old. He wore a cheap polo with the Ellison logo on the left side of his concave chest. I noticed he got to wear a belt. I imagined his pants wouldn't stay up on his pencil-thin waist without one. I couldn't help myself. I asked, You're the guy who's going to show me how to live a healthy life, huh? The man looked disapprovingly at me, but didn't seem offended. I'm sure he had heard it all by then. The corrections officer gave me a push through the door, but he stayed outside. He said, The paperwork's in your email. All signed and ready to go. Take care, Stu. The man I had been given over to, Stu, said thanks and closed the door. I found myself in a big living room lined with metal chairs that had been bolted to the floor. The only entertainment in sight was a small bookshelf. Seven faces stared back at me. Four boys, three girls. I was admittedly surprised to see the girls. I had assumed it would be an all-male facility. Later on, I learned it had been before some funding dried up and the girls' home had to be shut down. Everyone, this is Grant, Stu told the group. He put a hand on his hollow chest and said, 
I'm Stuart, or Stu, and here we have Isaiah, Harry, Francesca, Barry, Sam, Isla, and Kiara. He pointed at each of the other kids in turn, each of them making a face at their own name like they were sick of hearing it. Stu gave me a tour of the facility, which seemed like too grand a word for the old house. The upstairs hallway had been modified with a locking door separating it into two halves. The half at the top of the stairs was for the girls, and the half behind the door was for the boys. The door is set to automatically lock if the fire alarm is tripped, Stu explained. But know that setting off the fire alarm without due cause has serious consequences, okay? I'm talking criminal charges. Downstairs, I was shown the kitchen where Aislinn, a newer counselor too young to have much experience, was preparing dinner. Stu told me that the program participants were not allowed in the kitchen for obvious reasons, knives, fire, etc., but that meals and snacks were provided regularly. Back in the living room, the other kids were all reading quietly to themselves, or at least pretending to. I scanned the bookshelf and was unsurprised at the titles there. Twilight, Harry Potter, Percy Jackson, and plenty of other common fantasy series aimed at youth. There were no comic books, no manga, no Clive Barker or Stephen King. If I was to be entertained at Ellison, I would need to lower my standards. So, who's my roommate? I asked, honestly just trying to start a conversation with the kids I would potentially be spending the next six weeks with. Oh, Stu said. You won't have a roommate just yet. We're supposed to be getting another resident, a transfer, later this week. For now, you'll have your own room. Want to switch? Barry asked with a sideways glance at Sam. No switches, Stu said bluntly. It'll be good for Grant and the transfer to bunk together since they'll both be in similar stages of the program. The program, it turned out, mainly consisted of lazy therapy and an afternoon class about healthy behaviors. I had expected something stricter based around hard labor, but we were only asked to do a few basic housekeeping chores, and we had a surprising amount of free time. We had to spend most of it in the living room, or common area, as they called it, but we were allowed a few hours in our rooms, too. My roommate arrived that Friday evening in the middle of a thunderstorm. He was hustled in by a dripping deputy. Stu had gone home for the evening and had come back to get the newbie settled in. The night counselors temporarily disappeared while Stu was there. I think they were worried he might notice the red tint in their eyes. The newbie, besides being soaked, gave the first impression of being fairly normal. He was big for his age, almost six feet tall and probably close to 200 pounds. I looked forward to hearing what benign sin had sent him to our island of misfit toys, although I had to wonder why he was being transferred. He kicked off his soggy all-stars and shed his saturated hoodie. I was excited to see he wore a Black Sabbath tee underneath it, the mark of an old soul metalhead like me. I waited alone in my room, taking in my last few moments of solitude. Once the tour was complete, an extra haggard stew brought the newbie back to the room and informed us quiet hour had come. You can read, you can get to know each other, but keep the volume down, all right? Yeah, Stu, see you tomorrow, I grumbled. I didn't want to give the impression that I was an uncooperative jerk, but didn't want the newbie thinking I was some kind of pushover either. Stu tried to give me some kind of half-hearted salute, but it came off more like a gesture of total dismissal. He shut the door and clumped down the hall. I waited long enough not to seem overeager, then said, Hey, I'm Grant. I got caught with a joint and reminded the cops they needed to go to the gym every once in a while. 
What'd they get you for? The newbie didn't even glance in my direction as he turned from the door and climbed up the top bunk. I had decided to give him that one because I felt a little trapped up there. I'm not generally claustrophobic, but I felt uneasy with the ceiling so close to my face and the guardrail around me. Perhaps the feeling of being stuck up there was serendipitous foreshadowing of what was to come. Yo, newbie, I said as loud as I dared. Perfect, just call me that, the new kid replied. I asked, huh? What do you mean? It was weird to talk to him when we weren't looking at each other. He compressed the springs above me. I suddenly wondered if I would regret choosing to sleep beneath him. I hadn't expected him to be so big. You can just call me newbie. Forget about my name. I shrugged to myself and replied, Sure, whatever. I saw you had a Sabbath shirt on. Huh? Oh, right. Yeah, I forgot. Uh, I think I got this at Target or something. Oh, really? I'll have to get one too once I'm out. I love Sabbath, but I like more modern metal too. Like, yeah, I don't really listen to music, newbie said. If I listen to anything, it's synthwave, I guess. Wait, so why buy the shirt? I asked, bitterly disappointed and a little annoyed. I don't know, newbie said. I guess I just liked the design. Kind of creepy, kind of vintage. Changing the subject before I got more frustrated, I asked, where'd you transfer from? Newbie sighed like he knew this question was coming. This crappy little addiction center run by a church in my hometown. It's basically a place where they read revelations to you until you're too scared to touch your own dick, let alone drugs. Guessing that strategy doesn't work out too well, huh? I asked. No, not on me. I don't think those priests had ever seen somebody with real issues. Not that I have a drug issue. I laughed, unable to help myself. Of course not. I didn't know what else to talk about now. Newbie had annoyed me, and if he wouldn't even share his name, I didn't know what he would talk about anyway. I just laid in my bed listening to the bloodthirsty storm outside. The wind sounded like a banshee, and the thunder like a scorned lover trying to bust in and exact revenge. Enough time passed without a sound from the top bunk that I assumed Newbie had fallen asleep up there. But when a particularly bright flash of lightning struck, I saw his face hanging down, upside down, staring at me. Jeez, I shouted, pushing myself against the wall. What's your problem, man? Want to know a secret? He asked. Sure, whatever, I said, not hiding the irritation in my tone. My mind is broken. They don't know it, but I totally snapped. As he said this, his eyes grew wider and a creepy grin wrinkled his cheeks. His inverted position made the expression all the more disturbing. It's burned in my memory now. Well, good for you, I replied, trying to seem unaffected. If I'm being honest, though, I did see something broken behind those big, unblinking eyes. His grin flipped to a scowl and his eyes shrunk to slits. You don't believe me, he said. Dude, I don't know you. I don't know what to believe. I'll make you believe. Lightning flashed again, followed by thunder, and just as soon as it rolled away, Newbie became normal again. His face relaxed and he pushed himself back up onto his own mattress. I wanted to say something tough to him. I wanted to establish some dominance in the room because, after only this brief interaction, I already felt like it wasn't my room anymore. It wasn't even our room. It was his room now. The next morning, Stu gathered us all in the common area to properly introduce Newbie to the group before breakfast. He went around the room, 
pointing a dirty chipped fingernail at each of us and saying our names. I had recently been given the same introductions, but being on the other side of them felt weird. This young man has asked that we refer to him as Newbie instead of his given name, Stu said, clamping his hands on Newbie's shoulders. Newbie was wearing a Megadeth shirt today. He beamed at me. I pinched my eyebrows together. Last night he had seemed so antagonistic, but now he seemed like we were friends. I couldn't wait to hear what the other kids thought of him. I got my first taste of their opinions at lunch. Newbie's therapy session had run a little long, which is normal for the first one, so the rest of us got to sit down at the table before he got there. How do you like your roomie? Barry asked me. I could tell by the wry upturn in his lips that he had guessed my answer before asking. I don't, I said. He's weird. Kind of creeps me out. Last night he... Do you know what he said about Stephanie Meyer? Isla interrupted. Why is that name familiar? Francesca asked. She wrote Twilight, Harry answered. I thought you hated those books, Isla. I do. I can't stand them, Isla shouted, almost standing. I was sitting next to the bookshelf waiting for my session, and Newbie came out of the bathroom and started looking at the books, and he was like, I see you've got plenty of Stephanie Meyer to read. And I thought he was being ironic, so I was like, yeah, it blows. They don't give us any quality writing in here. He looked at me with this crazy look in his eyes and was like, I love Stephanie Meyer. She's probably my favorite author. He's just a contrarian, I said. He says he doesn't listen to any of the bands on his shirts either. Claims he barely listens to music at all. Who doesn't listen to music? Kiara asked, offended. Sam spoke up, a rare occurrence. Maybe he legitimately likes Twilight and doesn't care for metal. Everyone looked his way with expressions varying from doubt to disgust. What? Sam continued. Why do you guys want to hate this kid already? Has this group reached max capacity or something? We all get along, but heaven forbid one more junkie kid tries to join in. Have you tried to talk to him at all? I asked Sam. He shook his head. That's the problem. Talk to him, dude. The kid's a freak. Newbie joined us right about then, and the conversation couldn't be resuscitated. I tried to sneak off to my room after the afternoon class, hoping to get some alone time before Newbie came up. I only got about two minutes, though. He came strolling in before I had even gotten fully comfortable on the bunk. He looked mad. Those kids don't even understand, he muttered. I rolled my eyes. Don't understand what? They don't even understand what I could do to them. Nervously, I asked, And what could you do to them, newbie? He approached my bed, spiking my nerves. He didn't go to the ladder at the foot of the bed. He came right up to the side, next to my head, and leaned over me. He whispered, barely audible, I could kill them all. I opened my mouth to speak, but he held up a finger and whispered, I could kill you too. He looked into my eyes and I dared not look away. The crazy look I had seen the previous night had faded. Now his eyes just looked dull and dead. He almost seemed like a robot that could be programmed to execute any task. I remembered what he said about being broken. Hesitantly, I asked him about that. Last night, I started. You said you had snapped. What did you mean? Honestly, I didn't expect an answer, but Newbie surprised me. He always seemed to say and do exactly the opposite of what people expected. He sat down, cross-legged on the floor, facing me. You ever do edibles? He asked. A few times, I replied. That was a lie. 
I had only tried a gummy once and it hadn't really done anything for me. What dose? Uh, like 5-10 milligrams? Yeah. Ever do 200? Nope, I replied truthfully. I didn't even know you could go that high. Apparently some people can have schizophrenic breaks with high doses of THC like that. Turns out, I'm one of them. I was too stoned to hide it from my parents and they got me committed to that other place right away. They've got money, so they didn't need like a doctor's note or whatever the hell people normally do. They paid out of pocket up front, and there I stayed until I got transferred. But since I didn't get checked out by any medical people, no one knows about the break. No one except you now. And why did you tell me? I asked. I wasn't quite sure I believed him yet, but he seemed more honest than usual. As a warning, he said, You should try to stay on my good side. What's that, a threat? I asked. Like I said, I'm just warning you. It gets a little crazy up here now. Newbie shoved his index finger up against his temple. Especially at night. Shortly after that conversation, I moved down to the common area. I didn't want to be alone with Newbie and decided to avoid that situation anytime I could. Unfortunately, at 8 o'clock each night, we were forced into that little room together. The door separating the boys and girls would lock, and we would be alone. Newbie's behavior ranged from complete silence to manic outpourings of thought that could go on until midnight. If I fell asleep during his ravings, he would climb down from his bunk and kick me. Then he would casually climb back up and resume his monologue like nothing happened. This behavior occurred on a spectrum, too. Some nights, Newbie acted perfectly normal. We had conversations about stuff we did before. I didn't always believe his stories, partially because I was lying about certain elements of mine, too. The difference was I always made myself sound tougher, bolder. Newbie seemed to enjoy making himself seem, well, strange. He told me about a time he gathered frogs in a small cage and dumped them in a hollowed-out dead tree and lit the tree on fire. Two of them actually got out. I probably juiced up the gene pool in that stream like 50%. Only the strong survive, know what I mean? The story disgusted me. I didn't ask any questions. Another story was about a time he biked through a park and saw a woman at the playground with her two boys. The older boy was just learning to swing. He could get himself going but would eventually lose his rhythm and falter. The mother kept having to get up and help him start up again. Newbie said every time the mother got up from her bench, she left the baby in the stroller. It was only for a few seconds, 30 tops, but it occurred to Newbie that he could easily ride by, snatch the baby boy, and disappear into the trees before the mother noticed anything. I couldn't help but ask, what would you have done with the baby? That's what stopped me. Newbie replied. I couldn't decide. Before I could find an idea, I had ridden past them. Those were the last words either of us spoke as we prepared for bed. That night, just as I was beginning to fade away, Newbie leaned over the bunk and said, You know, that's the only reason Stu's still alive. I asked, What? What is? I can't decide how to do it. I wish I could just make up my mind. How would you kill him? I wouldn't, I nearly shouted. I don't want to be a snitch, but I don't think I can keep that to myself, man. You will, Newbie said with an air of dread. He was right. He knew it as he peered down at me from the bunk. His eyes held back poison gas. His mind brewed death. 
to even suggest turning Newbie in suddenly seemed like a fatal misjudgment. Hey, okay, sorry. I won't say a word, I said. I know I sounded insincere, but I hoped Newbie at least caught the hint of fear in my voice. I wanted him to know I feared him because I hoped my fear would keep him from seeing me as a threat. It worked for the moment, and Newbie pulled his head back up. I heard the springs settle as he fell asleep. I didn't let myself go until I heard him snoring. The next morning, the alarm went off as usual, but when I turned over, Newbie was already crouched beside my bed. I barely registered his presence before he started speaking. Listen, remember what I said last night? Don't answer that. If you do, forget it. I didn't mean it. Not a word. Got it? Sometimes I say stuff just to... I don't know. Yeah, I get it. I don't actually remember, to be honest. Something about... Yeah, I can't remember. Newbie nodded like he had expected as much. It was a bold-faced lie that I only told to save my own life. Of course I remembered the naked threat against the head counselor made by a boy who had just admitted to daydreaming about kidnapping a baby in broad daylight. I decided I would not snitch. Not yet. Knowing how Newbie's behavior changed more often than the weather, I wanted to watch him and see if he ever showed any other signs of violence. Maybe the previous night's statement had been the farthest end of the slider. Maybe there was nothing worse than threats to worry about from Newbie. He truly had me convinced he hadn't meant that threat over the next couple of weeks. Then he tripped me up. It was the most basic trap and I stepped right in. We were sorting through the clothes that had accumulated on the floor, passing each other various items and sorting out the ones that were clean or clean enough. We had been joking around and having a rare, friendly conversation. Newbie said, Man, we shouldn't have to do our own laundry. This is why I wanted to kill Aislinn that one night when I was going off. I thought you said you were going to kill Stu, I said before thinking. My throat tightened as if it could clench the word's tail and draw them back in, but Newbie had heard them and had already begun to react. He stood, big fists clenched, and intentionally positioned himself between me and the open door. Carefully, quietly, he reached back and pushed the door shut while never taking his eyes off me. You told me you didn't remember, he said. You told me to forget about it anyway, I retorted. Yeah, I was letting you know I didn't mean it. Why did you lie about remembering, though? You were off the hook. Were you holding on to it for later? I stammered for a response. Because you terrify me. No. Because you caught me off guard. No. I needed to find a way to put the onus on myself. Blaming newbie would only make things worse. Because I'm stupid, man. I don't know. But once I said I forgot, I felt weird and you never brought it up again, so I didn't say anything. I thought it was past us, you know? Newbie stared at me, that boiling death brewing in his brain again. I could almost see the haze of steam leaking from his eyes and ears. We both held our breath until Newbie gave his head a slight turn, then nodded slightly. Yeah, you are stupid. Stupid enough to get yourself killed, you hear me? I haven't done it yet, but I'm ready to. One of these nights, I'm really gonna snap. You wanna be on my bad side when that happens? No, no, of course not, I stammered. Then this time, forget about it for real. The following nights were the most tense yet. Newbie completely demolished my routine of listening to him fall asleep before sleeping myself. When the night watch counselors did bed check, Newbie would be tucked under his covers, but as soon as they closed the door, he would climb down softly and sit crisscross on the floor across from me. 
The first night he did this, I asked what he was doing. He answered, Watching you fall asleep. Why? I asked, already creeped out. He said, I want to know you're asleep. I want to know you're not going to sneak out and snitch on me. I'm not going to do that, I said. The last thing he said to me was, You've lied before. From that night forward, Newbie didn't say a word to me. He climbed down every night to sit on the floor and watch me fall asleep, but never said anything. The night he caught me pretending to be asleep, he smacked the top of my head repeatedly until I was forced to open my eyes, beg him to stop, and then try to sleep for real. I was tortured this way until the last night of my treatment. I had been cured of an addiction I never had. I was ready to go home and have my own room again. I thought maybe Newbie had decided my time was up and I wouldn't have a chance to snitch on him because he didn't climb down that night. I fell asleep to his snoring. In the morning, Newbie was gone. I assumed he had just beat me down to breakfast, but he wasn't there either. I asked the table if they'd seen him, and they said no. The group had changed quite a bit as people had finished the program and new kids had replaced them. A couple of the originals had to cycle back, but for the most part, none of them shared my feelings about Newbie. To them, he was just another kid ahead of them in the program. The food wasn't on the table yet, but I could hear Aislinn banging around in the kitchen. Everything okay in here? I asked through the door, trying to sound helpful but really just curious. Fine, sort of, Aislinn said over the sound of water being dumped in the sink. If you see him, could you send Stu in here, though? He was supposed to help with this. Yeah, sure, I said. When I returned to the table, I looked at Newbie's empty chair, then Stu's. Then the equation added up in my head. Missing Newbie plus missing Stu equals murder. I pushed back my chair so hard I knocked it over. I ran through the common area, then back. I caught weird glances from the other kids but kept running up the stairs. I peeked into the girls' rooms but had a feeling I knew where I would find them. I just didn't realize how I would find them. Stu's slaughtered corpse had been tossed face up on my bed with his feet hanging off. His throat had been slashed to the bone and he had multiple bubbling slashes across his chest. I saw him from the doorway and screamed. Before I could run away, another scream joined mine. Newbie stepped out of our closet, screaming like a maniac, holding the lid to an aluminum can in his bloody right hand. He must have snuck it out of the trash can when he was on garbage duty one night. As he screamed in my face, he tossed a cup at me. The cup splashed me all over with warm blood. Aislinn's footsteps came pounding up the stairs. Newbie raised the jagged can lid to his own cheek and sliced at least three inches wide open. Then he tossed the lid at my feet and grabbed his cheek with his bloody hand just as Aislinn found us. What is hap- She shrieked at a deafening pitch when she looked past us to see Stu's drained corpse on the bed. Newbie removed his hand from his tattered cheek and pretended to go into shock at the sight of the blood. Aislinn looked at me, following the blood all the way down to my shoes. Then she saw the sharp lid right there at my feet. She backed through the separator door, slammed it, and locked it. I heard her run down the stairs, presumably to call the police. I stood there, considering running away. The fire alarm was right there. One pull and I could open the door to get out. But then I'd be a suspected killer on the run from the cops, not just some dumb kid with a joint behind the church. I decided to stay put and act innocent. I had to remind myself that I really was innocent. I didn't need to act. 
Newbie came out of his fake stupor and nudged the lid with his bare toe. Come on, wanna do it? Do it, man. Save the world a lot of hurt. I got the taste for blood now. It felt good to let the life slip out of him. Wanna see how it feels? He nudged the lid again, and I backed away from him. Come on, man. You're going away for murder anyway. What are they gonna do, sentence you to two deaths? Give you two life sentences? Might as well get a little revenge, huh? Take me down with you. No, I said. No, I won't. Newbie shrugged, then resumed his artificial trance. His testimony, plus all of the physical evidence he had splashed on me, put me away for real, while he got out a week later. A few stitches in his face got him right back to treatment without missing a single class. During the trial, I finally learned his real name. My lawyer says I shouldn't share it publicly, though, based on what I'm going to tell you soon. I didn't get the life-or-death sentences he had predicted, thanks to my age, but I still got hit with hard time. Juvie until I'm 18. Then I'll be eligible for a work permit while I complete the rest of my sentence in prison. I still have yet to get my own solitary room again. Meanwhile, Newbie seems to have gotten right to work. Almost every time I get a chance to watch a news broadcast, they're talking about an unsolved murder in the area. Every few days, the victim's face changes. I've tried to tell everyone who the killer is, but imagine being the druggie trying to accuse the boy who got you locked up of being a serial killer. No one believes a single word, I say. You made it out. Congratulations. If you enjoyed the story, please rate and review this podcast wherever you like to listen. Reviews are the best way to support the podcast and help it grow. You can also become a patron at patreon.com slash thewarningwoods. If you want more creepy content, including the images that accompany each story, follow me on Instagram at thewarningwoods. If you feel ready, meet me here next week for another journey into the warning woods. Thank you for listening.